1: Now, in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am both a master of the laws of taxation and a master of the laws of intellectual property. And because of my education, my training, my experiences, my life's observation, and most importantly, my lifelong interest in business and money and finance, as well as how they are used to create and preserve and transfer wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. Yes, bankruptcy law. Bankruptcy can and is a good thing to help individuals, families, and small businesses, and and big businesses, but I don't do major businesses, except when I fight against them, but it helps these entities reclaim and set right their financial boat. So I think bankruptcy law is a good thing. And I also practice the related fields in my overall financial practice, including debt wealth management, estates and trust, real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now, with these areas of law as my reference point, that is to say, as they deal with the personal, familial, community, and small business aspects of finance, I've spent the greater part of the last 40 years both before and after getting my license to practice law fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and communities and people of color, including indigenous communities. And as I grew up as a military brat and also helped create a new one with my former spouse who was also in the military, I have firsthand knowledge of just how hard it can be sometimes financially and economically for our citizen soldiers, sailors, airmen and women and Marines and their families in our sometimes less than patriotic capital-based economic system especially after these individuals and their families are separated from the service. As such, I proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military. And I have share with you guys that I must have been the most fortunate person on the planet. I got to be with three mothers, my own mother, but I also had an opportunity to spend time with my grands my on both sides of my family, and I learned so much from these great ladies because they lived in the greater part of the last century and through their drive and determination, and although they, well, one of my grandmothers was very well educated and the other one wasn't, but you know what? I learned a lot from both of them. And they helped me realize how important it was to be a black or brown or mixed woman in today's society and what you have to do to survive because they lived through the great, the four great economic challenges of the 20th century. That included the Great Depression, World War II, and all of its privations, and unfortunately, the systemic racism and misogyny that continues through and to our society today. And because these women, you know, they helped raise me, and they loved me, and they shared with me the stories of their grandparents who raised them in the post-Reconstruction Jim Crow South that I spent some time in. It is out of my great love and respect for these women who are always with me, urging me on along with my dad. and As such, when the situation is right, I'm sometimes able to at least attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors and disabled folks who find themselves the targets of and unfortunately more and more the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that you could imagine that's running rampant in our society today. So, in case you haven't guessed it, the purpose of Selwyn's Law is to help people figure out what to do with their money um, in how it intersects with the law, and most of us these days have an issue with having enough money to make it to the end of the month, so that's my purpose here is to help you consider what you need to do to lawfully protect or reclaim or rehabilitate your or your families or your small businesses, financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening education form. But once again, I must have you to please take note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as a an educational form for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully to provide you with at least an overall outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help I believe you need if you have a legal issue that intersects with your finances or your other assets or your debt. Please, just because you can file a bankruptcy case pro per or pro se, it's difficult. It is difficult for lawyers to go through the myriad of things that you have to. Please at least attempt to find professional help if you're having an issue with your finances, your assets, or your debts. So today, I want to share with you some very exciting news uh, that took place in my life last week that it's related to a vital segment of our American community that far too few of us take the time to really learn about. And even if we do know about this segment, it's only hazing and we don't focus enough attention on it. I'm talking about our Native American brothers and sisters and their ongoing fight for their sovereign and political, and judicial, and economic rights right here in America. This is their country, <laughs> where Indian country is really all around us. And it's about time we give our American, the first Americans, their long overdue respect. So did you know that this past Tuesday, August 31st, 2022, Mary Peltola, who is a member of the Yipik tribe in Alaska became the first Alaska Native woman to be elected to the House of Representatives when she won a special election to fill the seat of the late Congressman Doug Young, who was a Republican, Uh, Mary's a Democrat. The unofficial results released by the Alaska Division of Elections on September 1, 2022, showed the newly elected Ms. Portola defeating former Alaska Governor and Vice Presidential Candidate Sarah Palin. Can you believe that? With all of Ms. Palin's um Prominence and finances, and she was once the governor of Alaska. Uh, a Native American woman is going to be the first Native American woman to represent Alaska in that capacity in Congress, because the the former, the person who died, had been in that seat for forty nine years. Now we got to think about that. Should uh, a representative democracy have people stay in office? For their entire lifetime, and I include in that courts, as well as people who are elected, there's something to me a little bit wrong with that. How can young people um, make a contribution and be in line uh, for the next seat? So I'm just pleased as punch because some of you know that I actually (laughs) could be a a resident of three states simultaneously because I have relatives and family members in Mississippi and we'll talk about its problems in another show here in California where this show originates. But I also have family and friends up in Alaska where I spent part of my childhood and am am related to Uh, members of the Alaska Native American community. Now, Portola is a former Alaska state legislator. She's a Democrat who spent a decade in the state legislature and is an enrolled member of the Yipiak tribe. And she lives in Anchorage, Alaska, where I have some relatives. She defeated uh, Palin because they have this rank uh, uh, place of voting where you pick your top three all at once, and so only two could make it, and then they accumulate all of the votes, and that's how Miss um, Portola won the, the election. Now, um, a little bit about her tribal uh, relations. Um, the tribe is from southwest Alaska, and um, the estimated population at the contact... First contact. It's not like Star Trek, but it actually is the same thing. First contract with uh, Russians, for the most part, uh, took place. Uh, there were about 3,600 of these tribal members in that particular community. So she has a, a vast wealth of tradition to bring to the table. And now she joins... What is a historically large Native American contingent to the current Congress, which includes Representative Tom Cole, who's a Chickasaw uh native from and a Republican from Oklahoma, Sharice Davids, who is a member of the whole chunk tribe, and she's a Democrat from Kansas, and then there's Representative Yvette Harrell, who's a a Cherokee, a member of the Cherokee tribe. She's a Republican from New Mexico. And then there's Kai Kahlili. Excuse me for mispronouncing your name. He's from Hawaii. He's a Native Hawaiian member. And then there's Representative Mark Wayne Mullins, who's a member of the Cherokee tribe and a Republican from Oklahoma. So Uh, Now we have a a more even mix of Democrats and Republicans representing uh, members of our uh, Native American community and the related tribes. So when we come back, I'll share a little bit more about our Native American cousins, uh, figuratively for you, literally for me, and how and why we must support them in their ongoing fight for their sovereign, political, judicial and economic rights right here in america where indian country is all around us and it's about time we give the first american their long overdue respect but stay tuned i'll see you on the other side
2: now back to selwyn's law once again your host selwyn whitehead
1: Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as I continue to share with you some very exciting news about some very exciting things that happened to me personally last week that relate to a vital segment of our American community that far too few of us take time to learn about. And even if we know about this segment, we don't do much or anything with that knowledge. And we really should. And I'm talking about our Native American brothers and sisters and their ongoing fights for their own sovereign political, judicial, and economic rights. Right here in America, where Indian country is all around us. And it's about time we gave our first American cousins, that is to say the first Americans, their long overdue respect. Uh, now, before we took the break, I told you about um, e- congresswoman elect. Mary Portola, she's elected until she gets sworn in, who is of Eskimo descent and a member of the Yupik tribe, who became the first Alaska Native woman to be elected to the House of Representatives when she won a special election to fill the seat of late Congressman Doug Young, who was a Republican from Alaska. Well, this past Tuesday, I attended a great panel presentation put on by the United States District Court for the Northern District of California entitled the Northern District's 2022 Power Act panel. And it was a partnership and uh, in, in a culture to solve community challenges of domestic violence dependency and adult wellness between the tribal courts here in California and the district court and I, there were four really great panelists um there was uh the chief of the uh Yurok tribal court uh Abby Abenathy and the honorable Richard Blake, chief judge of the Hoopa tribal court. And there was Lori Nesbitt, who is the opiates manager of the Yorka tribe. And it was presided over and moderated by the honorable John S. Tiger, who is the district judge for the Northern District of California. A person that I, I have happened to know and have worked with on some nonprofit and, um, community-related business. So what was great about the panel? Because they talked about integrating Native American culture into community courts and treatment programs to achieve better outcomes for um, uh, the members of the tribal community because the tribal community is a sovereign... They are sovereign nations just like the United States, although there's a constant struggle... In as much as, um, the Supreme Court has made what I consider to be some bad rulings impacting the sovereignty. But j- just to be clear, on the, the reservation in the tribal lands, um, you know, there are all kinds of activities, good and bad, just as they are for those of us who don't live on tribal lands. So there is a court system. And what the, um, Power Act does it focuses on some of the negative activities that go on domestic violence dependency and adult well wellness but there is also a unity of, of concerns and issues for the other legal aspects of of what goes on on tribal land such as what happens when a casino goes bankrupt and the owners of the casino are not Native Americans um, who are the creditors and who are the debtors and who gets the assets of the bankruptcy estate? There's, there's confusion about that. But this particular panel was about dealing with issues that impact the humanity of uh, tribal members who run into issues with the law. And I, I love the stories of the, um, the, the tribal court judges about how they would handle, uh, 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 uh what might, what is a criminal or family related issue on the tribes court and how it's different from the way, um, I'm 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 not being disrespectful from the way the white man's court is adjudicated, and you do some things kind of like you know your auntie or your 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 grandpa would handle disputes between cousins. Um, That I'm sure in any culture, you know, including my own, uh, a lot of that is, and it's not being patronizing. It's just understanding the cultural difference, and perhaps we. Uh, out here in (laughs) the district court land should adopt some of those same techniques for solving problems. And that's what I took out of that panel. And I'm so grateful uh, that uh, I was able to attend via Zoom. But again, it was talking about integrating Native American culture, into community courts and treatment programs to achieve better outcomes, leveraging partnerships between tribal, federal, state, and local governments to solve problems more effectively and efficiently, and pro bono opportunities within tribal communities in the northern district. So the the so what is this Power Act? It was an act passed by Congress And the bill requires that the chief judge of each judicial district to conduct public events to promote pro bono uh, legal services for survivors of domestic violence, dating violence, sexual assault, and stalking. Additionally, each chief judge of the judicial district that contains one or more Indian tribes or tribal organizations must at least once during each two-year period have a public event to promote pro bono legal services for Indian and Alaska Native victims of domestic violence, dating violence, sexual assault, and stalking. And the chief judge must, in conducting these public events, seek to maximize the local impact and provisioning of high-quality pro bono legal services to these survivors. And the chief judge must report that. Um, his or her findings and the outcomes of these outreach to the administrative office of the U S court, um, to make sure that, um, you know, things are, 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 are the outreach is effective and there's getting some results. So, um, I, again, I thought it was a wonderful program. And those of us who are lawyers, who are not native Americans, we need to look into these programs and offer our services, especially if we have expertise in family law and domestic uh, violence law because this inf- it is needed, and we will learn so much about uh, our, our 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 culture. And I say our because, like I said, uh, Indian country is everywhere in America, so we need to learn about the culture and make an impact. Another thing is: Did you know that the state of California, uh, speaking of judges. The Senate earlier this summer confirmed the first ever Native American federal judge in California. The Senate voted to confirm Sunshine Suzanne Sight to a lifetime seat on the U.S. District Court for the Central District of California, making her the first, the state's first ever Native American federal judge. And just the fifth indigenous woman in U.S. history to serve on a federal court. That's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about these things happening, but you know, it's sad that I have to be so happy. This is like the year 2022 and we're seeing these firsts for our, our Native American, uh, cousins who I, they are. And I, I, I think we all should think of them that way. But, you know, anyway, I'm celebrating. Um, the, the Judge, uh, Sykes's elevation to, uh, the, the court, the federal court. Uh, she has been, a, had been a California Superior Court judge since 2013, and she had previously served as a deputy county counsel for Riverside County, and she was a contract attorney for the defense panel of the Southwest Justice Center from 2000, 2020, 2001 to 2003. She also worked as a staff attorney for the California Indian Legal Services. So she joins four other Native American judges actively serving on the federal bench out of nearly 900 authorized federal judgeships. Those four are all women and they are our U.S. Judge, District Court Judge Lauren King, um, Diane Hatemiwa Ada Brown and Judge Lydia K. Gri- Gibbs Gripsby, so that that's good to know. So I'm going to um, jump back to representatives in Congress. There are now only six <laughs> uh, representatives in Congress, and we have uh, there was a the seventh who is Deb Hollins and she's now the 51st United States Secretary of the Interior and she's doing great work to um, bring to the fore, to bring to the President's attention the needs of our Native American members of our overall tribal community because I consider all of America to be uh, Indian country. So I, I just wanted to share um, these good things with you uh, you know, not all news is bad, but, you know, because we just have a handful of Native Americans in our court systems and in Congress, we need to support them, wish them well, you know, be sounding boards for them. Let them know um, that we care about them and such that, you know, they can do the job that we all need because they represent all of us uh, and we need to make sure that um, we are there to support them. So, again, uh, the Congress people that we have are, well, Deb, Deb Hollins is no longer uh, a member of, of Congress, but she's working in, in the White House. But I'm going to, you know, I'm going to cut it off there for now. And it's always a closing here at Selma's Law. We want to stay on the right side of the law, including the fact that we need to make sure that our lawmakers and our judges reflect our society as a whole and that way we can be better sure that of all of us getting our just desserts in a fair tri- tri- tribunal if we have to go before a judge. I want to say goodbye. I want to say goodbye to the wonderful engineer who's helped me produce this show since I've been doing it at KFAX. Nate Nelson is moving on to bigger and better things, but he's the one that, Shakes out all the wrinkles in my show and puts together a package that he uploads every week. So I wish him fond, a fond farewell and the best of all futures.